Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023 NBA playoffs. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on Dime Dropper on YouTube, at Dime Dropper on YouTube. Hit the notification bell so you know every single time I post a video or go live. And, of course, to follow us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Dime Dropper Pod. For today's agenda... Two huge Game 5s. I told you guys I'd talk about Nuggets Suns Game 4. I watched it, and I will give you it right before Game 5. But Boston and Philly, we're going to start there tonight. To my Celtics fans, oh, man. This is tough, people. This is tough. I've been saying since the beginning of the playoffs, this is the Celtics' championship to lose. I've also said that they have a psychological edge against the Philadelphia 76ers and have shown that the last couple of years. But tonight may have been the night where the Sixers got the monkey off their back. And it starts with the MVP, who tonight was the best player on the floor. James Harden, who again was really good. Really good. And it was just the perfect storm from Philly from minute one. Everybody was involved. Everybody was the best version of themselves. And you can't say the same about Boston. Immediately. I don't think it was a crazy effort thing. I really don't. You know, it got so bad tonight that the Celtics fans were booing the Seas. You don't see that very often, Celtics fans booing the Celtics in a playoff home game. But that's how well the Sixers are playing. I truly believe, as much of a Glenn Rivers hater as I am, as much of a James Harden hater as I am, that the Sixers won this game tonight more than Boston lost. They were amazing. Both team strategies were to basically switch one through four but their fives were going to drop. Al Horford and Joel Embiid. I'm looking at this game from a Boston Celtics perspective. Anytime the home team is you know, hosting a game five and it's a 2-2 series, you are expected to win that game. You need to win that game or else you got to go on the road to keep your season alive. And last year in the second round, the Boston Celtics lost the game five at home to Milwaukee where they completely choked at the end. That was when Drew Holiday just took Marcus Smart's lunch. And then I thought the Celtics were done right there. And Jason Tatum came back with a performance of the ages. Performance for the ages. They're going to need something like that in game six. Because in this game, Jason Tatum to start was again nowhere to be found. When he got the ball, he was shooting these fadeaways kind of unnecessarily, shooting quick. Just didn't look locked in. Looked very casual. And Jalen Brown was going to the rim hard. But Jason Tatum, for the second straight game, was 0 for 6 to start. And they're not going to be able to really afford that in game 6. This is it. Jason Tatum did pick it up. But James Harden, Joel Embiid, they hit the ground running. 
Joel Embiid's first shot was a step back three on the left wing at the end of the shot clock. Really good defense. And then he hit a pick and pop three. And that's what gets me into the drop coverage decision made by the Celtics. Now, Joel Embiid is a very good drop defender now. He's really good at the rim. He's become much better moving his feet. And you know what? He doesn't give up on plays. He doesn't give up on plays when he gets blown by. He'll still try to get the block. And there was one block today against, I think it was Derek White, where he, I thought he was completely out of the play. It was LeBron-esque on the chase down. That's a 7-2 big man playing like that, coming with coming off a sprained knee. Come on, man. That's the type of Joel Embiid that we need to see if he wants to be in that upper echelon of great centers. But more importantly, the best player in today's game. Joel Embiid and James Harden pick and pop is right there, as I said, second best pick and roll combination to me. You can maybe even make the argument the best with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Here's why it is so hard to guard. James Harden coming off a screen, if he's going downhill, he's getting to the rim if you don't put another body there. Now, if you're in drop coverage, James Harden can walk into those threes and has been walking into threes for the last 12 years of his career. So you don't let James Harden walk into threes. The difference now is he's actually shooting the mid-range. Before he was quicker off the bounce, and he was more athletic, so he could elevate much better at the rim. So he could just neglect a part of the floor for a large por- portion of the season. Basically, his whole season still almost beat the Warriors doing it, just with the floater, the three ball, and at the cup. Now, he's doing a much better job of being patient in that screen and roll. He'll be snaking screens, keeping guys on his hip, and instead of foul baiting, he'll now step back for the mid-range, and he's doing it going both ways. So he's keeping the defense more honest to me than he ever has with this heavy pick-and-roll usage player that he's become the last, you know, since D'Antoni took over. Or should I say since D'Antoni started coaching him. And I have to say, if James Harden played like this his entire career, I would not have a problem with him. It was just those years in Houston playing D'Antoni ball where I think he was just unbearable to watch and just kind of cheating the game in ways. But look, the rules allowed it, so I can't hate on it. But it's not going to win championships playing that way, just like Kobe said. But he can win a championship playing this way. It's just a matter of him showing up when it counts. And tonight he showed up when it counted. But everyone else did too. And the whole problem is this with that Embiid-Harden pick and roll. So drop coverage against Harden is not only tough because of Harden. It's tough because of Embiid. Drop coverage against a pick and pop big man is pretty suicidal. Now, in the past like I want to say 2019, 2018, even maybe 2020, you're okay with Joel Embiid taking that shot instead of going to the basket. So you just live with it overall. But now he is up there with the greatest centers ever to shoot the mid-range shot. You know, I'm talking Willis Reed level. (laughs) Maybe even better. Joel Embiid has it down to a science. And now he has become unstoppable. Because when he's in the mid-range or he catches the ball at the elbow or the foul line, the nail, where he loves to catch it nowadays, one or two dribbles, he's at the rim, and dude's like 290 pounds or something. Like, it's pretty hard to guard the guy, and the Celtics don't really have that one-on-one matchup. But it doesn't matter. If you're in drop coverage, I keep fucking going around my point. Sorry, guys. But 
the point is drop coverage against Embiid and Harden is pretty suicidal because you're conceding that mid-range shot to Embiid all day long. And the Celtics were getting burned. In, the, in my mind, I'm wondering, okay, Missoula has to go away from this. Has to. What are the other options? Well, you can go out and hedge the screens. The problem is this. Harden is a really good passer. If he gets the ball to Embiid in a four-on-three situation and your second tallest guy out there is Jason Tatum, Embiid could be just charging his way to the rim or one pass gets an open three. So that's a tough position to be in as well. You blitz Harden, one pass, doesn't matter who it is, four-on-three situation, you're still giving up an open three or something at the rim. And then there's the switch everything option. Horford has not shown that he could do a good job guarding Harden one-on-one. He's had moments where he can, and honestly, it might be better than drop coverage, but overall, he can't really stay with Harden one-on-one. And Embiid is drawing double teams, and when he's alone and they don't bring the double team, he's scoring, and one thing he's doing a good job of, if when he's catching the ball at the foul end and nail or the mid-range, he can see the double coming and he just shoots over the top before it comes. That's his counter, and when he gets the ball 15 feet away as opposed to 20, 18 feet away, like he was in the late stages of the games against Atlanta in 2021, and even last year in game six, where he was also injured, he's also coming off an injury, That's the key. Catching the ball closer to the basket where not only can he make a move and go to the rim, but he can hit that mid-range. But my point is the Celtics didn't adjust. Jalen Brown, I thought, was getting to the rim. The Celtics were getting a lot of corner threes, a bunch of them. Marcus Smart made two of them to start the game. But the Sixers were rolling on all cylinders. Tobias Harris was crashing the offensive glass scoring. There was one play where I think it was Brogdon he got on the post up. Turnaround over the right shoulder. Beautiful shot by Tobias. And you saw a little bit of Grant Williams, Rob Williams for the Celtics, but Rob Williams is dropping really deep as well in that pick and roll. And Embiid and Harden just pick and popping him to death. And Tyrese Maxey was hitting the three ball and really attacking, coming off screens when he could, getting into the lane for those floaters. Sixers led 33-26 after one, and at what point were up 15 points in the first half. And I was just wondering, when are we going to see a response from Tatum? The... And by the way, you might be wondering, why weren't the Celtics having as much success when the Sixers in drop coverage? It's more than just Embiid being a good rim protector. It's because Al Horford was just way off the mark from three. Very unfortunate to see. And there were even possessions in that first half where the Celtics had like a layup at the rim or a wide open mid-range and they would just pass it up fiending a three. And these kind of things are going to add up. They can't just fiend the three. I know Missoula was talking about the lack of three-point attempts in one of the first, I think it was the first game. But like, dude, I think the problem is that they have trouble guarding Harden in the pick and roll this series, point blank. And now that Embiid's back, that pick and pop action is going to be hell, not just for Boston to guard, but for anyone in the NBA to stop, depending on how hard, how far Philly goes. The Celtics, in the second quarter, after going down 15, you saw Tatum come back in the game, and all of a sudden he looked like a different player. He was trying to get two feet in the paint, and he was getting to the line at will. Tobias Harris was trying his best, but look, Tobias can't guard Jason Tatum. And Tatum was getting to the line. He still couldn't really hit the three ball. No one really could. And the Celtics went into the half 
down 49 to 58. The fellas were talking about it at halftime that the Sixers, you know, they could have blown the game open even more, but they made a couple of mental mistakes like fouling three-point shooters, turning the ball over that kept Boston within striking distance. But in the second half, this is where you've got to give the 76ers credit. They didn't take their foot off the gas and they really kept their poise the whole way. And it was all about Harden and Bede Maxi. The pick and pop combination, the only adjustment Missoula made was he started playing that high drop, which is a little bit better. So you're at least taking the immediate look away from James Harden coming off the screen. But he is so good with that pocket pass. And there were a couple of times where Embiid caught the ball. Tatum did rotate really well. And Tatum had a couple of nice defensive plays in that second half. But the other guys were making their open threes. And Embiid was doing a good job making that pass. Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, they were making the Celtics pay. And when Embiid was catching the ball in the middle of the floor, I mean, I just thought he was fantastic. Hitting shots. And when he was open, and he was open a lot for those pick-and-pop threes, no matter if it was Williams or Horford in, he was making them pay. It just seemed like the Sixers had a counter for everything. And when Embiid caught the ball on the left wing, you know, mid-range area, one-on-one against Horford, he was getting to the rim, pump faking, being patient, getting to the line. And Harden and Embiid were getting to the line in this game. It was just hell for the Celtics to guard. Straight up, Harden had 10 free throw attempts. Embiid had 11 free throw attempts. But the Celtics actually got to the free throw line more than Philly. They didn't, however, shoot as well from the line. Sixers shot 85%, 23 for 27. And the Celtics shot 73.5%, 25 for 34. The biggest culprit in that department, Jalen Brown. We're going to talk about that in a second. But in the third quarter, the Celtics offensively were fairly disappointing, in my opinion. 23 points in the third quarter. They needed something, and they didn't really get it. Jalen Brown was just quiet as can be, not demanding the ball. And no, it wasn't all just play calling. You can't blame the – we. I've talked about it so much every single night, the, the influence that the stars have in the playoffs and how you're seeing coaches let the stars be stars. Jalen Brown, we've talked about this time and time again, and this is what separates Jason Tatum from him, mainly. Jason Tatum is going to take matters into his hands. Jalen Brown is so passive. The dude can be shooting 70%, and he just shies away as the game winds down. Jason Tatum wants the moment. Sometimes he wants it too much, and sometimes you got to blame Jason Tatum in ways where he needs to recognize, look, Jalen's having a better shooting night than me. Let me motivate him to, look, go get the ball, Jalen. You're not stepping on my toes. I got to do what's best for the team tonight. But I don't know, man. Jalen Brown needs to go get it. It's not all the coach. This is the playoffs. This is grown man basketball. And I want to say this, too. With Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, two wings, just like the Clippers kind of have, that do similar things, can hit shots on the mid-range, you know, three-level scores, decent in pick-and-roll, but not fantastic playmakers. And mind you, Jason Tatum was getting a lot of open shots for his teammates that the role players were just not hitting tonight. The Sixer role players, the others outside of the duo, were hitting their threes, and the Celtics guys really were not. But the thing about the duo is 
the two wings, it's very take turnsy. Whereas the Sixer duo, a guard and a big, they play off each other. And that's what makes it a little bit more of a seamless fit. And the third option, Tyrese Maxey, is he better than Marcus Smart? I don't know because Marcus Smart plays both ends. But the Celtics just need their role players to hit threes. However, I'm very concerned about that defense. They lost the third quarter by a score of 30-23. to 23. At that point, it just didn't feel like they were going to come back. And I got to give credit to Joel Embiid. His defense and drop coverage was just fantastic. The Celtics, they didn't really make too many adjustments. They just went to that high drop. Jason Tatum was getting more aggressive as the game went on. He wasn't really quitting. Uh, Jalen started going, getting a little bit more shots up towards the end of the game. But Embiid was really unstoppable. He was the best player on the court tonight. And I picked the Celtics in this series because of the fact that Jason Tatum just plays better than Joel Embiid in the playoffs. I went with that. And of course, James Harden will always have his fuck up. But oh, three games out of five, James Harden has been not just good, but great. Great. He was spectacular in game one. And in game four, I mean, two game winners, Joel Embiid, this was one of his signature playoff games, if not his most signature, his most important. If they win this series, this is the big time brother, MVP, MVP. And listen, I'm sick right now. I'm really sick. I fucking hate the Sixers because they have Glenn Rivers at the helm. And I don't want the Celtics to win the championship because, as I said, I don't want the rich to get richer, even though I think the Celtics are a likable team. And, you know, I do have a soft spot for them being that that is my second home. But I need them to win this series because I don't need Glenn Rivers to go to the conference finals. I don't want them to. I feel bad for Embiid, though, because he is such a great player. But right now, I just have to be objective. Embiid was the best player on that damn court. They need better from Tatum, the Celtics. They need better from Brown. But they mainly need better from the role players and the coach. I mean, I don't know, man. The Celtics, they didn't really get the game within nine points, get it within single digits. The Sixers prevented any big run. There was one point where the Celtics got it within, I think, 12. The crowd was really loud. And then Tyrese Maxey hit a huge right-wing three. And, I mean, James Harden just continued to get so many good looks for his teammates. It was just big time from the Sixers as they won it 115 to 103 stealing home court advantage and giving themselves one chance to go to the conference finals for the first time since 2001 Allen Iverson MVP season are we seeing some similarities ladies and gentlemen First MVP since AI for the Sixers. First trip to the conference finals. Oh, no. It might be written in the stars, guys. I'm fucking hate. Oh, God, I'm livid. <sighs> come on, Jason Tatum. You need to come here. You need to come through for me, big dog. You need to come through. Celtics fans, I'm sorry, guys. I don't mean to, like, make things worse. And I really hope some of my minute men and minute women are listening to this man because I apologize for not doing as much Celtics content these last two years. You guys have had great teams. Only so many teams I can do. And I'm excited to you know be watching these games and, and keeping a close eye on them. And I've come to the conclusion that Joe Mazzula is a little suspect. Let me tell you why. I like the way he talks the game, but I just don't feel like defensively he pays enough attention. Charles Barkley made a decent point in the pregame. He was talking after game one. He was talking about shooting threes and how they weren't shooting enough threes, the math game and all that. 
but they were not getting any stops. And that was kind of his emphasis. And that's kind of telling me that he has an offense-first lens. Remember, Joe Mazzula was a point guard. Ime Udoka was a wing that guarded guys like Kobe. Like, Pop asked him to guard guys like Kobe. You know, the Brandon Roy's. Defense-first lens. So... I just don't think they really made enough adjustments. What do you do? Now, see, I I need somebody to ask me that. No one's asked me in the chat. What do you do, Mr. Big Shot? Talking about, you know, how do you guard it? Let me tell you what I think I would do. Honestly, I would just switch everything and start doubling and just running their asses off the line and just making them exert as much energy as they can in the half court. They have great guys to attack closeouts is the problem with Maxi and Tobias. Because Tobias, if he gets, you know, attacks a closeout and someone runs him off the line, he can hit that mid-range stop on a dime. And Maxi has that great runner in his game and a really good layup package. So it's tough. But that's the best option in my opinion. You know, what about going two bigs? That was something we saw last year with the Celtics. So let's say Horford and or Time Lord goes out and hedges the screen. At least you have one of them on the back line protecting the rim. Sag off P.J. Tucker. Especially with P.J. Tucker, I feel like you could do that maybe. Why not? Why not? And it's not like, look, if you got to take Embiid on that short roll or on that pick and pop and Time Lord gets drawn out, and Horford and Time Lord both get drawn out, at least you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, two athletic wings, or even Marcus Smart on that backside. So, shit, something to consider. Two bigs, maybe even Grant Williams at the five with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and maybe one other guard? I don't know. That may be a little too small. But let's just put it this way. The fact that I'm having to throw all these things out there just shows you how hard it is to guard and beat and harden when they're playing at this level and when other guys are making shots. It's really difficult. Let's read the lines. Any signature statistics to look at for the team? Let's see. Let's look at the team stats. 13 turnovers for Philly. Only 8 for Boston. So they did take care of the ball. But just... 40% shooting for the Celtics at home. Sixers shooting 50.6%. Sixers also 40% from three. Celtics 31.6. So the Sixers shooting better from the field, from the three, from the line. Out-rebounding the Celtics by 13. That's because there were a lot more missed shots. Same amount of offensive rebounds. I really don't think it was an effort thing. I really think the Sixers just played better basketball. Straight up by a landslide. Let's look at the Celtic stats. Jeez, yeah, they had to throw in the... They waved the white flag. It was that bad tonight. Booze from the crowd. So Malcolm Brogdon, Time Lord, and Grant Williams were the ones that played real minutes. Grant Williams played eight minutes, had a donut, shot one three, and that was that. I would consider giving him more minutes just because I feel like he does a pretty decent job on Embiid just being physical. And maybe he can draw some offensive fouls. What would be really nice is if the Celtics can get Embiid in foul trouble. Which, we'll see if they can do that. Embiid's done a really good job of staying vertical and just protecting the rim. I'm so impressed with his, the steps that he's taken defensively each season. Like, look, I'm, I've said it, I said it earlier this playoffs. This is set up for Embiid to just grab that best player in the world title by the fucking throat. Because he can do things defensively that Jokic cannot. But anyway, let's keep talking about the Celtics real quick. 
Time Lord. Four points, two rebounds, two for three from the field in 19 minutes. I'm going to be honest, in that drop coverage, that deep drop, Time Lord just gets taken out of it. Because James Harden is just pulling up. Tyrese Maxey is attacking that space, hitting floaters. And mainly Embiid is just cashing that open 18-footer. So Time Lord is just, it's not doing anything there. How about Malcolm Brogdon? He just needed better shooting from him. He was just missing shots that he normally makes. Three for nine from the field. One for two from deep. Seven points, four assists. Malcolm Brogdon in these last two games. Actually, no, he did play well in the last game. But he shot 33% in game three that they won. He just needed a better game for Malcolm in this one. Just hitting shots. And then the starters, all of which played 25-plus minutes. Al Horford had his worst game probably of the playoffs. Look, it's not like he's getting it's he, like he's being terrible defensively to me. You can't expect him to guard Embiid one-on-one. Like you seriously just can't. And he's done a good job this series at times guarding Embiid one-on-one. At his age, look, it doesn't matter what age you are, it's hard to guard this guy one-on-one. He's a fantastic I I don't use this word that often, but generational offensive talent now. He really is. Honestly, talent because on both ends. It all just comes down to how healthy he can be and what kind of aggressiveness he plays with. And tonight, he was playing aggressively. He was the best version of himself. Harden is making his life easier, absolutely. But when he's getting the ball one-on-one, Horford can't guard him. Okay, and Horford in the drop coverage, that's the scheme. That's the scheme. Whether you think it's a good scheme or not, that's the problem with Missoula. Horford is being told to drop deep. High drop, he did a little bit better. But it's tough. The, the problem with Horford, though, is he's got to make that open three. He's got to make that open three. And also what I don't like is he's getting maxi on switches and he's not even considering going to the post. Come on, dude. You have post game. What are you doing? Totally bailing maxi and the Sixers defense out. So you got to look at that. He's way too smart to be settling that way. But anyway, only what? A donut. Jesus. 0 for 7 from the field. 0 for all of his shots were threes. No free throw attempts. Just five rebounds. Not a good game from Al. Derek White, 34 minutes played, decent defensively, but not as great as normal. It's not even his fault to me. It's just Harden and Embiid and Maxi playing at a high level. But offensively, you need more. This was a guy who played so well against Atlanta, just hitting shots left and right. Obviously, this is a different caliber of defense and different caliber of opposition, but he can do better than 2 for 6 and 0 for 2 from deep. He can, and they're going to need better. Marcus Smart, I actually thought he was pretty good. 14 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, 2 for 7 from the field, 2 for 5 from deep. I think they got to find a way to get him involved more defensively. Uh, maybe guard Harden a little bit more. Jalen Brown is guarding Harden a lot. I'm not saying he's doing a terrible job. I think Harden, as I said, is just playing so well. But you got to use Marcus Smart a little bit more defensively, I think. He was 2 for 7 from the field, 2 for 5 from deep. So one of the only people that actually shot well from 3. 8 for 10 from the line. So credit to him that he got to the line. And then Jalen Brown. 24 points and 6 rebounds. Just 2 assists. 3 turnovers. 9 for 16 from the field. 3 for 6 from deep. Oh great, so efficient. Just 16 shots is not good enough. 8 threes. I'm sorry, 3 for 6 from deep. 3 for 8 from the foul line. That is ridiculous inexcusable from Jalen Brown three for eight from the foul line 
That's crazy. Jason Tatum, he ended up having a solid stat line. 36 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 2 turnovers, 10 rebounds. I already said that. 11 for 27 from the field. 3 for 11 from deep. I still think he can do without so many contested threes. Just really he's got to stop settling. If he wants to shoot a jump shot, at least take some more mid-ranges, some more turnarounds. Use your post game. Try to get Maxi switched on to you or Harden. Even though Harden is a good post defender where you can shoot over the top. The one thing I did like is how aggressive he was in terms of getting two feet in the paint in that second half. Shot, a, shot 13 free throws, made 11 of them. But overall, you need a better start from Tatum. You need much more aggression from Jalen Brown throughout the game. But one thing you really need from the Celtics is to just put together four quarters of good basketball. Seems very hard for this team. That comes down to lapses in concentration. But I also think Missoula has to throw some different looks out there. Maybe two bigs, maybe switch everything and double and just make them, you know, run them off the line. I don't know. But that dr deep drop is suicide. And that, you know, the shallow drop, that high drop is not bad. You gotta just rotate sharply and make sure that the other guys get shots and hope that they miss. Like the other guys, meaning Melton, Harris, these guys. And that's a perfect segue into the Sixers. And by the way, Missoula was so out of ideas, he just threw Peyton Pritchard out there and he thought he would maybe make an impact and it just nothing happened. The Sixers. Paul Reed just played seven minutes, one for one. You saw a lot of Embiid, so limited game for him. George Niang, just 12 minutes, a donut, one shot attempt. Daniel House, what a performance from him. Really good defense at the point of attack. One-on-one, -on -one, he was awesome. Moved his feet well, stayed strong. Double-figure scoring, was good in transition. 10 points, 5 boards on 5-for-7 shooting. His only miss is coming from the 3-point line. So he was 5-for-5 five five from 2. And then DeAnthony Melton, really solid, just doing his job in his minutes, playing good defense and spreading the floor. 4 points, 4 boards. 2-for-4 from the field, 0-for-1 from deep. And then the starters, who all played 31 minutes or more. P.J. Tucker, fairly quiet, but doing the little things and playing tough defense. 3 points, 7 rebounds, 1-for-4 from the field, 1-for-3 from deep, but made a big one in the second half. P.J. Tucker, he just helps win games. I don't know what to say. He really just helps win games. Miami, Milwaukee, doesn't matter. He helped. Tobias Harris, what a game from him. 16 points, 11 rebounds, 7 for 10 from the field, 1 for 3 from deep, being aggressive, so not settling for just, just threes. Big time performance from Tobias. And then James Harden, 17 points, 8 rebounds, 10 assists, not a pushover on defense, 2 steals, just two turnovers, so a 5-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio, keeping the defense honest, and those pocket passes were working all day long to Embiid. 4-for-8 from the field, just two three-point attempts. Absolutely love that. 1-for-2 from three, 8-for-10 from the line. Amazing performance from Harden in 39 minutes. How about Tyrese Maxey? What a game from him. This was probably his best game of the playoffs. 30 points, 7 boards, 3 assists, only 1 turnover, 10 for 21 from the field, 6 for 12 from 3. He did it from all 3 levels, 4 for 4 from the line. I mean, 6 for 12 from 3 is just ridiculous. 
And then the MVP, Joel Embiid, with one of his most signature playoff games. 33 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 blocks, plus 21, which was the highest of any player in the entire game for either team. 10 for 23 from the field, 3 for 7 from deep, 10 for 11 from the line. He was the man, and the Sixers win it by 12. This is it. This is the moment to get over that hump for the Sixers organization, for Joel Embiid, for James Harden, them conquering Boston, Glenn Rivers getting some revenge. Actually, no revenge. They never beat him. But beating his former franchise, oof. This is it for the Sixers. They got to get this done. As for Boston, you've been here before last year. You need to play your best game. And look, I think it's going to be tough for the Sixers to close this out because they shot so well from three. They played a pretty perfect game. The Celtics shot like shit, and they haven't really had a nuclear game from three. I think there's a game coming, and this might be it. This is where I want to see what this Celtics team is made of because if they lose, there's going to be a lot of unnecessary talk in the offseason. Part of it's just the Sixers are playing great, but the Celtics need to respond. This is it, and I think they will. I'm still sticking to my pick, Celtics in seven. Coming up next, going to be talking about the Suns and the Nuggets. Now let's briefly, briefly talk about what I saw in Suns-Nuggets game four. Basically, it felt like two-on-two. Murray and Jokic, KD and Booker. And let me say this, man. Devin Booker just continued his arsenal or showing off the arsenal of three-level scoring. Stopping on a dime, one or two dribble pull-up, quick decisions. And one thing you started to see was KD and Booker one pass away from each other. So they'd set the screen. Aaron Gordon would then switch on to Devin Booker. KD would have KCP on him. And when they helped, you'd have them one pass away to either pop the three or attack the open space in front of them. Anytime they could get the other guys to shoot, they would. But it was very tough. And D-Buck and Kevin Durant were big time. Jamal Murray, Jokic had some good stuff in the pick and roll. Jokic was dominating in the paint and dominating in the post, working very quickly. But Cameron Payne was pushing the pace really well, even better than in Game 3. And the Suns were running a ton of double drag action with Booker at the as the ball handler and KD popping out, either Landill or Ayton as the roller. And, I mean, that's pretty good action. It can get you some really good looks. You get KD on the catch-and-shoot situation off the, off the screen. Tough to guard. But this, it was a pretty neck-and-neck neck game the whole way. Jokic was insane in the second quarter and the third quarter. Aiden was a little bit better in that game, though. Better in drop coverage defensively and finishing around the rim in the pick-and-roll. But Jokic, I mean, he could not guard Jokic. But you can't really blame him. Like, how can you guard Jokic? He was hitting those turnarounds over the left shoulder, like the jump hooks, with ease. I mean, catching the ball in the middle of the floor. He was even hitting his jump shot. But Booker went nuclear with two big threes late in the third quarter. You saw a little bit of Terrence Ross, TJ Warren. Those other guys stepped up. The Nuggets started blitzing Booker a little bit more. And it, w- it looked good when you got other guys to score. But when KD gets the ball and has to attack closeouts, it was trouble. And in the fourth quarter, 
Landry Shamit. He was trying to be very physical with Murray. Very physical. But the big thing was him making four threes in the fourth quarter. And it was all off KD and Booker just having so many eyes on them. You know, KD and Book setting the screens for each other. As I said, the double was coming. Devin Booker, by the way, like even Aaron Gordon couldn't really do much about him. He was getting the double. KD one pass away or vice versa, you're cooked. But what they were doing was they'd rotate. He'd make the extra pass. That's where Shamit was coming in for the three. And also, when Jokic was in drop coverage in that high drop, they would leave Shamit open because, of course, you don't want to leave KD open and you want to take away the roll. And Shamit was making him pay. D-Book was doing a really good job with that cross-court pass with his right hand. And overall, Shamit was just making the defense pay off all those. There was also a little Spain pick and roll action. And before the second screen was set, Aiton would slip. That was really good stuff as well. Got Aiton the, the ball on a couple of dump downs. And Devin Booker did a really good job with those entry passes. And also, Aiton had a big block on MPJ in transition when it looked like the Nuggets were just about to get back in it. And by the way, I mean, Jokic, he had a 51-point game, mind you. 51. He was insane. Murray could have been a little bit better, but it was mainly the supporting cast that showed up for the Suns and didn't show up for the Nuggets. And that was the difference in Game 4. I was interested to see how the Nuggets would respond in Game 5. And by the way, TJ Warren sealed the game at the foul line. Jokic turned the ball over late, even after his great game. But that was a big win for Phoenix. Thought KD and Booker were amazing. Tonight, all the pressure on the Denver Nuggets. All of it. And they started out with crazy intensity. Created four turnovers in the first two minutes. KCP, again, they were going to that same pick and roll. Instead of putting Jokic in the action, they were putting... Because what I think they're afraid of is when Jokic is in the action, the Nuggets are going to try to funnel the shot to either campaign or a Kogi in that high screen and roll. They're going to take away the roller and force them to pass it, you know, weak side to the corner shooter. With that screen and with that pick and pop with KD and Book where they'll switch, what they'll get is the double team because they don't want to leave Devin, uh, Kevin Durant on an island with KCP or Devin Booker with Aaron Gordon. They'll double because D-Book is quicker off the bounce. Kevin Durant so much taller than KCP. You double off of one of them when they're one pass away, you get the ball to them for them to attack a closeout or make the open three. But KCP was doing a good job of getting his hands on the ball with KD, stripping him, and KD was loosey-goosey with the ball in that first quarter. Looked a lot like that Celtics series. The Suns tried to get that switch over and over, and I was looking for, and they, instead of going to Jokic, and I was looking for what kind of defense Jokic was playing, he was playing a little bit of that high drop, or it looked like that at least. But the Nuggets started out up 9 to nothing. All their starters scored in the first quarter. MPJ set the tone by making open threes, four of them in the first quarter, 14 points in the first quarter for him. And Nikola Jokic, it was just a masterful playmaking display from the get-go. When he catches the ball at the foul at the foul line or 18 feet away or just in the middle of the floor, that give-and-go action, you got to give the Nuggets players credit. They all cut because they know they're going to get the ball. And not just get the ball, but get the ball right in stride. Perfect lead passes. 
so good from Jokic. Arguably the best passing big to ever play basketball. The best I've ever seen, no doubt about it. I mean, those backdoor cuts and give-and-go actions are just amazing. And he was finding guys right away, even in the mid-post. You load up the defense, he'll find a cutter, or he'll find somebody on the weak side for three. Just amazing. Just amazing. The Nuggets led by 15 in the first quarter. KD was absolutely broke to start the game. Credit Aaron Gordon, credit KCP, 0 for 4. Devin Booker was the only one scoring for the Suns. Shocker. 4 of 4 to start the game. He had 10 first quarter points. And of course, a big key was getting the Suns in transition. Yes, so shocking. Cameron Payne is better for the Suns than Chris Paul because he pushes the pace. He gets them out and running. And Devin Booker and Kevin Durant can get those transition threes and pull up mid-ranges without a set defense off of misses. And D-Book, you have to honor that transition three, but he also has such a good hezzy in his game. He'll get to the foul line or get to that elbow, and he's even shown the ability to get all the way to the cup as well and finish in these playoffs. So, so hard to guard them in transition. You saw a little bit of that with the Warriors in terms of you know, jump shooting in transition. But they're more of a mid-range jump shooting team in transition than even just threes. But Book, he has a great pull-up three in his game. And KD, signature pull-up three as well. So that's a big emphasis in the series. But it comes down to the Nuggets' really good defense, one-on-one and as a team. Aaron Gordon and KCP doing a really good job in that first quarter. Granted, the Suns were still missing a lot of shots that they can normally make. But you got to do your part if you're Denver, and they did. And they were also really active on the glass, the offensive glass. Aaron Gordon, KCP, Nikola Jokic, everybody getting into the act, trying to rebound. But somebody who I thought also had a decent first was DeAndre Ayton. I think he had at least six points on the roll. But the Nuggets led after one by a score of, I think it was 34. 5 to 22, 35 to 24. Second quarter though, when Jokic went out of the game, the Nuggets started to cool down. And the Nuggets they go with this small ball lineup of Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, and Christian Brown. Really good defenders, but you can switch everything if you're the defense. And they were, and it was just a lot of tough shots for Denver, a lot of stagnant possessions and Just, you know, good individual defense by guys like Landry Shamit, Jock Landale, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker even. KD also started catching the ball on the left wing isolated and showing one to two dribble pull-ups, turn around over the right shoulder of a Christian Brown. He was starting to get to his spots, get the ball closer to the basket. Really good stuff from KD in that second quarter and also getting to the line. So you like to see that if you're a Suns fan. Get the ball to KD closer to the basket where he's around 15 feet and in and he can really just rise up over the top or take one or two dribbles, get to the spot and rise. But you got to give Aaron Gordon KCP credit. They were still doing their best to try to deter him as much as possible and being very physical with him. I have to say, KD had a lot of times where he should have gotten a foul call and he didn't, but I thought it was a pretty evenly officiated game, a poorly one at that. Tempers were flaring, but you love to see it. And even in that second quarter stretch, Devin, I'm sorry, Nikola Jokic was missing too. He was three for 10 at one point. 
So nobody was really hitting shots. And Booker and KD were starting to hit shots. And even TJ Warren. And there was one point where the Suns even took the lead and started to even take advantage of Jokic a bit in that high drop. Devin Booker was turning the corner, getting past him, getting to the rim. And again, KD and Devin Booker, one pass away from each other. Hard to guard that. Throw the ball to KD on the wing 15 feet away and have D-Book one pass away. It's tough. you got to make a decision there. So, and Murray was one for six at halftime. And that being said, because of MPJ, because Aaron Gordon was playing well, because Bruce Brown was playing solid, the Nuggets were up three at the half, 52 to 49. But overall, I felt pretty good because I just got the sense that Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray were going to turn it up in that second half. And you could just see the defensive intensity of this Nuggets team. And in that third quarter... Nikola Jokic took over the fucking game. He took over the game. And Landry Shamit started the third quarter to guard Murray because they liked what he was doing better than Akogi, and he's also hitting threes. Nikola Jokic in that third quarter had seven straight shots. A bunch of shots just sealing in the paint, in the middle of the floor, jump hooks. Finishing around the rim, hitting jumpers, hitting floaters, seven consecutive makes dating or dating seven consecutive makes going back to the end of the second quarter, six straight in the third quarter, and then the final one he missed was in and out off the glass. It was just an offensive clinic, but also his passing to cutters is just unbelievable, and you just gotta love the way the Nuggets move without the ball. MPJ, Jamal Murray. Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, the KCP, they all do such a good job. And Jokic's passing is just so pinpoint. And one thing I like is that even when Jokic comes up to catch the ball at the foul line or 18 feet away, they'll set a down screen for him to sometimes, one, just make the defender work. And two, if he gets an inch to turn the corner quickly, then your defense is just compromised and he can get an easy kick out three or a floater. So... It just makes the defense work a little bit more. But Murray and Jokic in that pick and roll started to get really good looks. Murray got an and one. And I was talking to my dad watching the game. Landry Shamit was getting so physical with Murray and he was getting away with fouls. And I was like, Murray and him are going to go at it at some point in this game because it's getting physical. And he got an and one where he took the bump, got right in his face, got a taunting tech. But that showed me that Murray, you know, he was into the game. He was responding in that third quarter along with Jokic. And in that stretch, Devin Booker finally started to look human. Missed a wide open quarter mid-range. And I think that was just, he was just so surprised how open he was on that. But he started to finally look a little bit more tired. And credit Aaron Gordon had some amazing defensive possessions on Booker. Blocking his shot one-on-one. Really good contests. And on the other end, more Murray Jokic pick and roll. Jokic was hitting the jumper, and there were a couple times, you know, Aiden would stay home on the on the roll. That's when Murray would get to the rim or kick it out for an open three. And the Nuggets' defensive intensity let them get in transition, and they blew it open. And a huge part of that was Bruce Brown as well. Nuggets went up by 20 in that third quarter. And defensively, I love the scheme. They were just okay with anyone else scoring. Anyone else. Jokic was starting to hedge those screens. 
and they were making sure that they had Michael Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon, mainly Michael Porter Jr., doing a really good job rotating. He even got a steal, I remember. I'm not sure if he got more than one, but let me check. Michael Porter got just one steal, but really solid defense rotating when Jokic would go out and hedge. And every time they go to the sideline, Jokic is going to go try to hedge the sideline. And that's, you know, a way to take away their passing angles. Have the guy, somebody take their roller because the cross-court pass when you're double teamed on the sideline is very hard to make. So that's why it's easy to take away so they're, they have no problem. And Jokic does a pretty good job hedging on the sidelines. But... Yeah, just and by the way, I want to say Jokic's defense was really good hedging in that third quarter as well. He had active hands too, and when he dropped on different guys that weren't KD and Booker, he did a pretty good job. And I thought in the game the Suns were going a lot more with Devin Booker in pick and roll than KD in pick and roll. But overall, the Nuggets tried their best to force the ball out of the big boys' hands, leave the other guys open, and the Suns' role players did not hit. Did not hit. Bruce Brown got a technical where he was trying to listen in on Monty Williams drawing up a play late in that third quarter. It was pretty funny. KD then shoved Jokic, got a technical foul, but Bruce Brown got one as well. But it was a really, really good third quarter for the Nuggets. Jokic is passing out of the high post and the low post was just amazing. Great cutting from the Nuggets. They outscored the Suns 39-25, and Mike Malone, he had lost his voice after the third quarter. What he loved, he said the most, was the defense. They were alert, they were tough, they were physical, and even Jeff Green, who Nuggets fans seem to hate on because he doesn't really you know, hit shots, I thought he was pretty physical on defense, and even though KD scored on him a couple times, those shots were not easy, and I thought he played with a certain toughness, had some really nice cuts, and I thought he and Aaron Gordon made really nice extra passes and just played the right way offensively in terms of moving the ball. The Denver Nuggets really just play good basketball on the offensive end especially. They move the ball well. They move without the ball well. They make the extra pass. I don't know. I just I, honestly, I'd want them to win the championship because they've never won. And Nikola Jokic is a you know a fantastic player, a special player. It'd be the first time in my life watching basketball that a center would be the best part of a championship team. So it'd be a big deal. The Nuggets went up by 24. Let me see if that was their largest lead of the game. I think it was. Yeah, it was. Bruce Brown was just incredible. He was doing it all. So many good moments one-on-one contesting Kevin Durant, even Devin Booker at times, but mainly I remember KD where he just got a hand up so well, was very physical. He rebounded. And I remember there was one play where he stopped somebody, got a rebound, passed it up the floor to Jamal Murray for a transition three. And Jamal Murray had 10 points in the fourth quarter, started to come alive. There was one shot so nice where he was in the post. I think it was against Payne. Pivot, pump fake, up and under, bank shot. Looking like Kobe Bryant on that one. So good from Jamal Murray. And then there was a moment where KD turned the ball over. Bruce Brown, hand in the passing lane, loading up and dunked it down. And I thought Jokic held his own hedging that whole second half and the Nuggets rotations were sharp because they knew those other guys were not going to make threes. Overall, amazing performance by the Nuggets. A true beatdown. They win it 118-102. to 102. The Suns wave the white flag and now the Nuggets are one game away 
from their second conference finals in the Jokic era, the first one in front of their fans. Let's read the lines. The Phoenix Suns. Look, I always say when you have a Game 7 on the road, you already have lost, basically. I just didn't expect the Suns to win this game. It's a lot to ask to beat this Nuggets team three games in a row when you really only have two players. They might just need Chris Paul back just for late-game situations, but I don't know. I think they are a better team with campaign. At this point, I wouldn't even hold it against Booker and KD to lose this series in seven games. I just think it shows that Jokic is better than everybody on the court, which I don't think should be much of a debate at this point because KD is not what he once was, and I don't even know if he's better than Booker. We'll see. We'll see what we have to say about that conversation at the end of this series. But so far, Booker looks better. However, Aaron Gordon, Russell Westbrook, the guys that have been the main stop, the number one option on the other team, they've guarded KD to start the series and then switched on to Booker because Booker's been cooking the second option. So, but Booker's been—I mean, he was cooking Westbrook and uh, Aaron Gordon in stretches in the in these playoffs. But then there was moments where Russ like did such a good job and moments like tonight where Aaron Gordon did such a good job. So I don't know. That's a tough conversation to have. But what I do know is that the Suns shot 43% from the field and 33 from deep. So 9 for 27 from three just weren't hitting shots. The other guys didn't hit shots. Booker finally looked like a human being. 43% while the Nuggets shot 49% and 48 from three. They shot the same amount of threes, 27, but they made four more of them. They also shot four more free throws, were 21 for 28 from the line, 75%. The Suns also missed seven free throws, 17 for 24, 71%. Nuggets out-rebounded them by eight, only one by two on the offensive glass. They had 10 more assists, though, a lot less iso ball, so much more off-ball movement. For example, campaign like on the weak side when the defense is loading up on KD or Brooker on that when they're on isolating on a wing, he does not cut off the ball at all, at all. The Nuggets outscoring the Suns in fast break points, thirty-one to twenty-five, and outscoring them in points in the paint by six, fifty to forty-four. It's mainly the three-point shooting. They only had four more field goals than Nuggets in the game. That's interesting. But those four were threes. Very interesting. But part of it is like the fourth quarter stats are kind of bullshit. So they waved the white flag. The Suns outscored them 28-27 in the fourth. But overall, the game was over with like seven minutes left. The Nuggets win it 118-102 to to take a 3-2 lead. They are undefeated at home in this series. You know what they say? The series doesn't start until the road team wins. Well, there hasn't. Been, I guess the series hasn't started yet. It may never start. Um, I had Nuggets in seven before the series. I think Booker and KD will respond, and I think that the Nuggets will finish them at home. But a game seven is a little dangerous if you're Denver. Let's see if you can finish it right there in Phoenix. It's all about the role players making shots. But let's start with the Suns, whose role players didn't make shots. By the way, why is Torrey Craig not playing? He was so good against us. He's a, not a bad defender. He knows the Nuggets. He was on the team, and he shot really well against us in the playoffs. Let's see what he's shooting in the playoffs overall. 57.5% and 48 from three. I don't get it. Let's look at his game log. So against us in game five, he only played 17 minutes and it was 0 for 1. He played 24 minutes in game one in this series and he was 1 for 3. 
and then just 11 minutes in game two, and then a combined seven minutes. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He didn't even play in game four and only played three minutes in game three. That's wild, man. I think Torrey Craig should play. Is Okogi really playing that well? I think he's doing a pretty good job on Jamal Murray to start games defensively. I'll say that. Doing a really good job there. But I would honestly play Craig. Just try to get the shooting out there. Even though I'm a defense guy. Jock Landale played 16 minutes, 5 points, and 4 boards in this one. He was a plus 5. I thought he was actually pretty good in his minutes. It continues to be pretty solid in the series. But also some of that was at the end of the game in garbage time. So he can't guard Jokic though, point blank. He was okay. Uh, I don't think you need much more from him. But it would be nice if he had a better game, of course. TJ Warren, 15 minutes. He had four points on two for seven shooting and 0 for two from deep. You're going to need a little bit better from him as well. He was good in the first half, but he didn't. I don't think he made any shots in the second half. And then Terrence Ross, he played 20 minutes and was actually efficient. Three for four from the field. All his shots were threes, nine points, three boards. But defensively, he's not great. And then Landry Shamit probably played a little too much. His defense is, he has shown to be a little bit tough on defense. Like he will do a decent job on Jamal Murray and he will play him very physically. But do you just lean into the offense with Terrence Ross and play him a little bit more? I don't know. Landry Shamit, six points, five rebounds, three assists coming off his amazing game in game four. Two for six from the field and one for three from deep. So the bench points, uncombined, let's see, 6, 11, 17, 26. A combined 26 bench points, but two of them were from Torrey Craig, who played only in garbage time. So let's see the starters. Josh Okogie only played 8 minutes, 1 point, 0 for 3, 0 for 2 from deep. Cameron Payne, not as good of a game. He's just not a spot-up shooter, and he needs to be better off the ball. Seven points, two rebounds, four assists. Defensively, also, just he's a weak link. Three for five from the floor. One for three from deep for Payne. The Suns turned the ball over ten times, so nothing too crazy there. And then the big three. Aiton, I actually think, has been good the last two games. I mean, not great, but they're not going to feed him the ball. So it's really just on rolls off screen. So in his role... He can't guard Jokic that much better. Like He's getting away with fouls, and Jokic is still scoring. Like I really don't know what to do about Jokic. He's a generational talent. So 14 points and 9 rebounds for Ayton. 7 for 12 from the field in 32 minutes of play. If you're the Suns, do you just double uh, Ayton? I'm sorry, uh, Jokic every single time he catches the ball in the post or one-on-one? I just might. And then leave anybody but Murray open. The thing is, the Nuggets do such a good job of cutting. It's very hard. How about Devin Booker? 28 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. 2 turnovers. 8 for 19 from the field. So finally shooting less than 50% from the field. 4 for 7 from 3, though. He actually shot well from 3. So the rest of the team shot 5 for 20 from deep. Just 25%. He's the reason why it's 33%. But he wasn't hitting 
his pull up as much, and part of that because Aaron Gordon was doing such a good job contesting his shots. But Devin Booker finally having a human game, so that means he's probably dropping forty <laughs> with their first elimination game of the playoffs. Kevin Durant, I actually thought he played pretty well. He just needs to take care of the ball a little bit better. Five turnovers. That's too much. He had half the team's turnovers. And I think he will play better. 26 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. But what I love about KD is that he's starting to just shoot more. 10 for 24 from the field. 0 for 3 from deep. But I thought he shot a lot of shots that were just way too heavily contested. Where he could have tried to get a little bit closer. Or maybe even tried to pass and post up. But overall, KD took a beating in this game. Like they were, I think the Suns just kind of ran out of gas. The altitude, it's just a tough place to play. And someone's going to have to beat Denver there. 6-0, just like the Lakers so far. I mean, the Lakers are 5-0. The Nuggets are 6-0 so far in these playoffs at home. I can't believe the Celtics have lost so many playoff home games. But yeah, those are the stats for the Suns. How about the Nuggets? who played Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, and Christian Brown off the bench. Jeff Green played 16 minutes, 4 points, 2 rebounds, 2 for 4 from the field, and 0 for 2 from deep. Obviously, his plus-minus isn't going to look good because he plays when Jokic is out, but I thought he honestly did okay. He held his own, made some good plays. 2 assists. It's not bad for a player playing only 16 minutes. How about Christian Brown? Really solid defense, in my opinion. Adds a lot of athleticism. Five points, two for three from the field. And I love the intensity that he plays with. Got that big steal and dunk. And that energized the crowd and pretty much sealed the game. And then you had Bruce Brown, who was just phenomenal. And even as the pick-and-roll ball handler, I think teams should always go under the screen. But one thing he does well is he attacks space, takes bumps well, and hits those floaters and runners. And Bruce Brown... In this game, did a little bit of that. Really good moving without the ball and great in transition. There was one little hezzy he had on KD and blow-by in transition that was just beautiful. 25 points for him, 5 rebounds. In my opinion, his best game of the playoffs. 7 for 11 and 2 for 4 from deep. So good from Bruce Brown. Also had a steal in there. And then the starters. By the way, Bruce Brown, so he basically had as many points as the Suns bench by himself. 26 for the Suns bench, 25 for Bruce Brown, the, the Nuggets bench overall with 34 points. So that's been a big story in this series as well. Whoever's bench plays better in game four was the Suns. Then the starters, who all played 28 minutes or more. KC, or 27 minutes or more. KCP, I think his stats will lie to you here. 7.7 rebounds, 3 assists on 1 for 6 shooting and 1 for 3 from deep. But I thought he had a really solid game. Really good defense. Still moving without the ball. Still spreading the floor. 7.7 rebounds. He just wasn't hitting his shots, and that's okay. But he also had 3 assists. He also had a steal and 2 blocks, and he was a plus 18. I thought KCP, that's the thing about guys who guard. They can have bad shooting nights, but they guard. And KCP does such a good job navigating screens and moving without the ball as well. Every single Nugget starter had two assists, at least. So that tells you how, the way they move the ball. Jamal Mur I'm sorry, Michael Porter Jr. You needed a response from him. He did not have it in game four. And he brought it in this one. In game four, he just shot 31%. Only 11 points in this one. 19 points 
eight rebounds, shot 64% from the field, seven for 11, and five for eight from three. Of course, four of those coming in the first quarter, but he was big time. And what doesn't show there is how good he was defensively. He had a steal, but overall, his rotations were really sharp. You gotta love it for Michael Porter Jr. Very solid in his minutes. He was a plus 24. And then Aaron Gordon, again, his four for 13 shooting night won't show it. One for two from deep, but 10 points, six rebounds, six assists, two blocks, the highest plus minus of any player on the floor tonight for either team, a plus 27, amazing defense on both KD and Booker. He has just been incredible, in my opinion, in these playoffs. And his moving without the ball is really good as well. And there was one play where Jokic was running a pick and roll as the ball handler with Gordon as the roller. We've seen that in these playoffs time and time again. It's incredible to see a center do that. I mean, just amazing. And it's very tough to guard because you've got to stop a seven-foot freight train going to the basket. And Aaron Gordon's super athletic on the lob. And you know Jokic's pass is going to be pinpoint. The way Jokic just carved teams, uh, carved the Suns apart with so many different types of passes is unbelievable. And how about Murray, who overall finished with a really solid game? Good effort as well on the defensive end, in my opinion, as the game went on. 19 points, five rebounds, six assists, and a steal, two turnovers. 7 for 15 from the field, 2 for 4 from deep, 3 for 3 from the line, and just killing it with Jokic in that pick-and-pop game. Really unstoppable, that pick-and-roll combination. In my opinion, the best in the league. The two best in the league like tonight winning. And what if we really got the two centers, Jokic and Embiid, in the finals? That would be amazing. I don't think the, I don't think the ratings would be great, but I think it would be amazing for basketball, and I would thoroughly enjoy it. I would just be rooting so hard for Denver. But anyway, speaking of Denver and Jokic, another triple-double. What a series this guy is having. 29 points, and just the playoffs in general. Looking like the best player in the world right now. Really is. I'm looking at you, Mr. Curry, tomorrow. And I'm also looking at a team that can take advantage of Jokic defensively. He held his own tonight. But let's see against the highest level. It's really going to come down to the very end. Jokic, 29 points, 13 rebounds. 12 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, dominating, turnarounds over the left shoulder, turnarounds over the right shoulder, so patient in the post. And the Shaq said it best, he plays like an actual big man. That's why he's the best center in the league. He posts up on the block. He gets right into the restricted area. He does not settle. Embiid, if his mid-range isn't falling, granted it's like a layup for him, but if it's not falling, the defense doesn't have to work as hard. Jokic plays so physical and his passing is otherworldly. High post, low post, on the roll, short roll. Generational talent, and I don't throw that word out there like strippers on the Vegas strip. Jeez. That's it for me tonight, guys. The Nuggets with a big win. Huge performance. 49% from the field, 48 from three. Huge game from Jokic. Can they close the series out? I think that they may. But I'm going to stick with my pick, Nuggets in 7. Let me know what you thought of my episode tonight. Make sure to comment. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Peace.